I'm so glad you've taken time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more, spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. And you can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. There's a new huge airfare sale for summer, and it's zoned from your city. I'm going to fill you in on all the details on it. In place of doing a Clark Rage, I'm going to do a sizzling deal coming up in a little while. And later, speaking of sizzling deals, because of distortions right now in the vehicle market, new and used, there are certain vehicles that are proving to be a steal of a deal right now. I want to bring you up to speed, up to date on where the real bargains are. I want to talk right now about something going on in your wallet. The credit card companies that have saturation bombed America with credit card solicitations and extending credit to people overdid it. The amount of credit card debt outstanding in the United States has now crossed $1 trillion. And this is one of those if-then kind of things. You know how in school... If this, you study things, you know, if this, ha- if this happens, then the result will be this other thing. Well, this is completely an if-then. The banks got piggy, handed out credit cards like candy, and now we're all going to suffer indigestion. So what's happened is the default rate on credit cards is going up, 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 and away. We saw the first hint of this two months ago when I started getting calls from people who were Capital One customers. And out of the blue, Capital One was cutting their credit limits. Nothing they'd done or anything like that. Capital One just decided, for whatever reason, their profile represented too much risk to Capital One. And they started cutting people's limits. The effect of that on people whose limits were cut was your credit scores decline because what's known as your utilization rate, how much of your available credit you're using, goes up. And that alone accounts for almost a third of what makes up your credit score. If you right now are listening to me and you only have a single credit card, it is ultra important as a priority that you get a second card from another issuer other than who you have. And another issuer doesn't mean because you have a Visa, you get a MasterCard. What it means is that from a different bank or credit union than whoever issues the card you already have. The reason this is very important is as the cycle turns, you know, the pendulum swings, and now the banks that have been handing out willy-nilly are going to start cutting, not all at once, but haphazardly they cut people from their credit card rolls and cut their limits. And you don't want to be in a position where, let's say, you only have a card or even two cards from the same bank. I think about people who have three or four cards from Chase alone, and that may be the only cards you have. Well, if Chase decides one day they don't like you, It's a really bad day for you. And trying to get new credit once somebody's decided you're not okay 
That's not the time. So that's why I want you to get additional cards. And with your cards, be extra mindful of utilization right now. Because of the worry that the banks suddenly have about defaults, which are moving back to the kind of levels we had early this decade when people still were facing high cycles of unemployment with uh, default rates rising so much, you need to make sure that you don't become a target for a credit card company to say you're dangerous. And that point is when you cross using 30% of your available credit on a card. If you have a $5,000 limit on a card, never have charge volume exceeding $1,500. A balance, never above $1,500. Because as you go above that, that will likely trigger a credit watch review of you and make you more subject to a credit card company deciding they're kicking you to the curb. Be ready, be prepared, and if you are wheezing on your credit card debt, know you're not alone and use it as an important signal to be careful using your cards to the point of considering my freezer rule. If you know that you've been charging on cards and you can't seem to stop, take all your credit cards, get a freezer bag, put them in it, fill the freezer bag with water, seal it, and throw it in your freezer as a way of putting your charging into the deep freeze. Angie's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Angie. Hi, Clark. How you doing? I'm doing well. So, Angie, sounds like you're at a fun party somewhere. <laughs> I'm in a restaurant. As oh, okay. We speak. Yes. Are people having a good time? Oh, yes. Great. Yes. Really good food. All right. I hope you ordered a nice meal for me. I'm on the way. <laughs> I sure did. Okay. <laughs> well, Angie, how can I serve you? I have a son who's 21, and he is going to be traveling and out of state, and he will be gone for about 25 to 30 days. And I was looking for the cheapest, safest options for places to stay, as well as car rental. Um, with him being 21, you know, there's an extra fee for anyone who's under 25. During yeah, the they, don't, they don't like renting to anybody under 25 at the car rental companies because, right. unfortunately, the accident rate is significantly higher. So mm-hmm. they try to price you out of the market by charging usually somewhere close to 50 extra dollars a day for being under age 25. Right. So is he going to big cities or suburban areas? Uh, big cities. And will he be flying from place to place or will he be driving a rental car from place to place? Um, he is flying, but he will be staying in one place He'll for be... a period of 20 to 25 to 30 days. It'll be just one place. So... Uh, one thought occurs to me, would it be cheaper for him to do Uber and Lyft where he's going to be than having a rental car? We checked the um, 
the estimated prices, and it gets pretty close from the area that uh, he is looking at staying at to Ubering to where he needs to get. And, you know, if he needs to get to a couple of different places a couple of times a day, then that really looks like it would add up. Well, you know, one other alternative I might suggest, I've never Mm -hmm. suggested it for this circumstance, but it might actually be a big money saver, is Turo, T-U-R-O. Okay. Turo is where individuals rent their cars to other individuals. Okay. And they will actually rent to people 21 to 24 years old. Okay. And uh, some will require that you be, I think the individual person owning a car can maybe set a 25 minimum, but a lot of the cars are available to people at 21. It might be a lot cheaper for your son than renting a car from a traditional rental car company. Okay, great. Great. Uh, On the Uber and Lyft thing, with Uber Pool and Lyft Line, the rates are so much cheaper if your son's willing to carpool with Uber or Lyft. And I do that routinely, unless I have a reason. And the only reason I can think of that I don't do pool is if my wife's with me because she hates pool and lift line. (laughs) But otherwise, only if it's not offered where I am, like sometimes at an airport, you can't do Uber pool or lift line. But they reduce the cost enough that often that may be cheaper than a car even if through Turo, he can get one at the same price, even though he's only 21. Okay, okay. And then the places we're looking at... Uh, oh, hotels. I didn't answer hotels, did I? Right, right. Or renting rooms or, you know, personally from somebody. Yeah, so Airbnb, <laughs> if he's willing to just rent a room in somebody's home... Mm-hmm. will be definitely the cheapest way for him to stay. Okay. All right. And, and that is and that is safe as well. I just wasn't sure what we need to be looking for under the anything that's listing under Airbnb. That's- well, that's why you read the reviews and you read what people say about the safety of the area, how they felt staying at the place and look at a lot of pictures and uh, know that the area is going to be an acceptable one. A lot of times, cheaper hotels are not necessarily going to be in the safest place. When you read on Airbnb, though, I like for there to be a minimum dozen reviews on a property. And don't just look at the number of stars. Read every review that is listed for a property. Scott is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Scott. Hey, Mr. Howard, how you doing? Great, but please call me Clark. Yes, sir. Sorry about that. I'm uh, from the South. I uh, use everybody's last name. I'm sorry. That is A-OK. So what's happening, Scott? So uh, a couple weeks ago, got a uh, text message from my life insurance company letting me know that my life insurance had lapsed and to call them if I wanted to re-up it. Well, last week I got the same text, and I decided that uh, I was going to call my uh, life insurance company, but I didn't use the number that they called or they gave me. I took it and I went to uh, 
my uh, statement, and I called him, and uh, he assured me that everything was fine uh, with my life insurance. And I uh, just wanted to let the listeners uh, know that apparently there's a new scam where they'll take and they'll try to get your information by saying that they're your life insurance company with a text message. Scott, Scott, I cannot thank you enough because I have not read this anywhere. I have not heard this anywhere. And you are giving me an early warning of what may be the beginning of a new way to separate people from their identity or their money. The most likely thing that would have happened if you had talked to the crooks is they would have said that they needed your checking account routing numbers in order to reinstate your insurance. And once once they would have had that, they could have emptied your checking account. Right. Yeah, after I got done um, uh, talking to my insurance company and I uh, I found that everything was fine, I replied back to the text message. I said, nice try, you know, go scam somebody else. And uh, they were actually brazen enough to try to call me back and uh, or uh, to uh, try to respond back. It says, no, no, it's not you, it's your wife. Well, my wife don't have a life insurance co- plan with these people, and she never has. Well, I, I am grateful to you, and I will make sure that I get the word out every possible way about this, and I hope that this is an isolated attempt to steal from people and doesn't become a new real headache for your fellow Americans. So thank you very much, Scott. Appreciate you being a member of our team. Instead of a clark Rageous moment today, we're talking sizzling deals. Because there are some great, great bargains today. Southwest Airlines has the biggest deal going today. They're doing a zone fare for summer. Very unusual. I'm guessing, and they've, they've said to Wall Street, their bookings have been soft since they had the flight problem a few weeks ago where the woman was partially sucked out of the plane and died. And so people have been booking away from them. So they have a sale right now with fares at $49 to places close to where you live, $79 to places further afield, way far away is $99, and coast to coast, $149 one way. I looked, I've already booked some of these, and the seats were widely available, and these fares are the best we're likely to see for summertime travel within the United States. There will be matches. There already are some. If you prefer to fly someone else, you may be able to find the 49, 79, 99, 149s available on the airline you prefer to fly. Remember, if you do book Southwest, you have to book only at southwest.com. The fares are not available elsewhere. If you want to see for a particular route, and pull up a a calendar map and see what the cheapest fares are each day on this sale that ends Friday for purchase, go to google.com slash flights, and once you put an initial date, you can then pull up a fare calendar, and it shows you day by day the cheapest fare flying on that day, either on a one-way or a round-trip basis. This fare sale is Really, really excellent. But if you see a fare on American, United, and Delta, beware a fare that you see from them will likely be the trashy basic economy. 
basic economy is an I hate you fare. And the airline has all kinds of restrictions that come with it. They use it as a manipulative tool to show up better in fare searches and then sell you up to a higher price ticket that can be from 25 or so dollars higher to hundreds of dollars higher if you don't want to live with the restrictions that come with basic economy on American, United, and Delta. But uh, I flew Southwest last week and sat in the emergency exit row both ways. The safety briefing sitting in the emergency exit row was far more serious and far more complete than I am normally used to, so they are a little rattled by the incident they had over Pennsylvania. Today's the day for deals on transportation. You know, just moments ago I talked about the Southwest sale that has a lot of matches for summer. Now I want to talk about cars that are deals. I want to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where we're all about giving you ways to save more and spend less, and certainly not letting anybody ever rip you off. And you can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. So cars are unloved right now. And when I mean cars, I mean four-door sedans are almost like dinosaurs in the car market. The market has shifted so fast, it's caught automakers flat-footed to the point that you may have heard Ford Motor Company has decided to pretty much get out of the passenger car business and only make crossovers, SUVs, and trucks. Chrysler makes almost no passenger cars to be sold in the United States anymore. And General Motors, with its different brands, although they still sell passenger cars, all the emphasis is on the what's known as the light truck market, the SUVs, the cr- small crossovers, the pickup trucks, and the Japanese because and the Germans because they sell principally in other markets that are still overwhelmingly car-oriented, have been caught with big inventories of passenger cars at a time that the American people don't want cars. So the discounts are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger to try to move those cars. The discounts are coming multiple ways. First, new cars. There are any of a number of foreign nameplate new passenger cars that the manufacturer incentives are right around 10% of the value of the vehicle. That is a huge number. So a $30,000 vehicle would come with roughly $3,000 more or less in incentives from the manufacturer of the dealer. The dealers also are receiving additional kickbacks that they receive based on how many units they sell, and those kickbacks are very important to them right now from the manufacturer to the dealer on passenger cars. So the invoice price, you know, all through the years people talk invoice price, invoice price, invoice price. That has become fiction because with a passenger car, the dealer could sell you a car 
way below the invoice price and still make a decent profit on the sale of a sedan. I saw an AP item on which of the sedans have really, really big uh, manufacturer deals on them. The Acura TLX, the Chevy Impala, the Dodge Charger, Toyota Avalon, Toyota Avalon Hybrid, the Volkswagen Passat, just to name a few. But if you are at all familiar with what's going on with the market share war with Toyota with the new Camry and Honda with the new Accord, Honda has had a lot of trouble getting anybody to buy the Accord, which auto writers say is the best sedan you can buy in the United States. I mean, just reviews of that vehicle are like I never remember reading about a sedan. And Toyota is knocking it out of the park selling units of the Camry because they are very heavily incentivizing the dealers, which means discounts that are quite substantial for you to buy a Camry. You know, money is always made when you zig when everybody else zags. Money is always saved when you zig when everybody else is zagging. And with cars right now versus buying what's hot in the market, that's where the sweet spot is. On top of that, there were so many cars leased three years ago from several manufacturers one-third of the vehicles they moved new three years ago were leased. Not at all unusual for one in four vehicles that they moved three years ago at other manufacturers to have been leased. All those vehicles are coming back right now. I never recall a circumstance where one part of the vehicle market was as weak as it is while other parts are so strong. So if you are happy driving a car, you a literal car instead of a SUV or truck or whatever, this is your time right now. I have on my car buying guide at Clark.com for both new and used, I walk you through how to get the best deal because even when something is a deal, Unless you know how the game is played, you're not going to grab the real deals that are out there. Matt is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Matt. Hi. Matt, uh, you want to take my call? Sure. You want to talk cars? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I kind of have like a two-part question. Is first, I have a a very old car. It's a 20-year-old car that actually runs great. It's been very dependable. And Okay, you got to share with your fellow listener, if you would, Matt. What kind of vehicle have you managed to keep on the road 20 years? Uh, it's a Toyota Corolla, so very reliable. And how uh, many miles do you have on it? 200,000. So 10,000 miles a year. So in that Corolla, if it's like a lot of Corollas, has not gotten to know the repair shop very much yeah however i do need to 
put some money into it now, uh, such as uh, struts and tires, all more maintenance items. So, like, the engine works great, but I'm having a hard time justifying. I've kind of estimated I need to spend about almost 1200 to $1,500 into this car that, that would only make se- that would only make sense for sentimental reasons if you're sentimental about your Corolla it would not make mm-hmm. sense financially yeah that's that's what I'm uh, uh, thinking of so it's just it's just really nice not having that car payment understood uh, but my other question is I, I'm leaning towards I found a car that I really like and I want to uh, buy it new, um, but I'm just trying to wonder is it better to buy it new now or buy a um, car that's two or three years old? And well, I, it, with an ownership cycle like you do, feel free to buy new. I mean, you know, when you keep a car, not one decade, which is what I try to encourage people to do, but you've kept a car two decades, you can feel just fine buying new if you wish. If you don't want to spend that money, because of what I was just talking about, if you buy a three-year-old car because of the surplus of them, you'll get a really great deal on a three-year-old vehicle. Mm-hmm. So it really, it really is your choice because a three-year-old vehicle will have potentially lost somewhere between 40 and 55% of its original um uh, manufacturer suggested retail price and so if you were looking at what street prices what people actually pay somewhere probably 35 to 50 percent of its original price is all is will have depreciated out and so you will have a vehicle that has in your life 90 percent of its remaining value you know life cycle left but you'll only have to pay a fraction of that and what you pay to buy it Mm-hmm. Well, my other question is, uh, how exactly is depreciation um, uh, calculated? Is it from the MSRP or is it from like the invoice price? Like it depends. I mean, there are many different calculations of it. There are calculation models that are used for vehicles that are leased that come into back into what the payment should be per month that are based on what the actual numbers are that are typically negotiated for the for the lease of a vehicle and then what the remaining value of that vehicle will be later. There are other models that base it in order to have just a, a marker from manufacturer's suggested retail price. Others yet do it from what average transaction price is. But the the most important thing for you to think of is that the price that a three-year-old vehicle brings is whatever demand is three years in for that particular model. So even though there are yardsticks that say, you know, so much value is lost over the first three years, there can be enormous differences. I read a story yesterday that there's one particular BMW that depreciates more in the first three years of operation than any other vehicle sold in the country. And then there are other BMWs that hold their value pretty well. So it just depends on each car. And so don't try to make a decision based on some arbitrary formula like that. If you're going to buy used, 
It's really about you surveying the market and looking at price surveys like Edmonds and Kelly Blue Book and see what kind of value particular three-year-old models seem to have. And that's how you know when you're in the realm of fair market value. And call me in, what, 2038? And let me know how this next vehicle is performing. Kate is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kate. Hey, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly. Kate, you got some credit card debt we're going to talk about, huh? Yes, yes. So I have about $8,500 in savings, and it's earning next to nothing in interest. And I have credit card debt on one card, and the balance is roughly $10,000, and the interest rate is 8.74. But I also have a student loan debt of $12,000, and the interest rate is 6.8. So my question is, should I use my savings to pay down a significant amount of one of my debts or just try to pay the most I can each month and save my savings? So if it were me, are you ready to not use the credit card? Yes, I've stopped using it. All right. So I would take your savings and wipe it out against that credit card balance. Okay. Because you'll save so much even at, you said, 8 point something percent? 8.7, 8.7, yes, sir. So you've done very well with an interest rate on a credit card. You know, that interest rate is roughly half of what the average credit card carries in the country as a rate. Yeah, well, I was an employee of the credit card issuer. That's why I got such a good rate. Well, it is. I mean, you know, that's a deal. But the, it's not really a deal if you're earning nearly nothing on your savings and paying 8.7. So I would put yourself in a position where you're on the high wire without a net by wiping out your savings, taking the credit card balance down to 1500 and that'll put you in a position where what you've been paying each month, you'll be able to pretty quickly extinguish the remainder of that credit card debt. Okay. And, and you're paying minimums on the student loans right now? Um, yes, sir. Okay. So I would say as long as you stay paying as agreed on the student loan at 68 Uh, Get to the point where you pay off the credit card debt completely with that last $1,500, which I don't know how many months that'll take you. But whatever point you do that, still continue to pay the student loan as agreed and start replenishing your savings account. But this time, do one of the online banks where you can earn about 2%. All right. Sounds good. And so you may be wondering... If I get you to wipe out your savings, what do you do if you have a hiccup? Mm-hmm. What do you think I'd want you to do? Oh, gosh, I don't know, but I'd probably call my mom, but it's <laughs> 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 probably not something. This isn't whatever that show was uh, where you'd have the lifeline. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's not what I was thinking. But what I was thinking that in an absolute emergency, you could then use the credit card to deal with an emergency. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't be any worse off than you are right now. But odds are, if you don't have an emergency till you get to the point where you're rebuilding your savings, you're much more efficiently using your money. Okay. So the key, though, you already have in your mind, in your heart, and that is you're not going to use the credit card unless absolutely it's dire. And that's the right thing to do from here to become debt free. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Pashawn is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Pashawn. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing really well, uh, Clark. How about you? Great, thank you. How can I serve you today? Uh, so today, I actually, before I, with my question, I just want to thank you and your team for your service. And my husband and I are long-time listeners, so we're really grateful for all the advice that your te- you and your team have given so far. Well, thank you so much for that. So... We actually um, became debt-free recently, um, and so and after that, we're actually looking at our budget very seriously, and we're looking for tools to manage our budget. Uh, one of the tools we actually found recently is Mint.com, and so that was also based on a recommendation from your web, uh, website. Uh, we have uh, Google Chrome at home, and we're, which with which we're using um, to manage our bank account financially. Uh, account and also retirement account. So my question is, um, should we use our Google Chrome to log in the Mint.com or should we use a regular computer to log into Mint.com to manage our budget? I would think that using your Chromebook for Mint.com would be fine. And probably is, I've never really discussed that because most people do the Mint app on their phone Mm-hmm. But if you're doing Mint.com, doing it on the Chromebook sounds like a smart idea. And okay. the mm-hmm. sensitivity of the information available on and through Mint is such that doing it on a regular uh, computer is probably not the greatest idea. And so mm-hmm. doing it on the Chromebook would be a good idea. And having the Chromebook to do financial on is so wonderful and I was looking a lot of people have been buying these ultra cheap Chromebooks on Groupon and Groupon has a really simple one today believe it or not for $69 it's not much of a Chromebook but it's $69 and be fine to use for paying bills and that kind of thing they have another one here for $99 so they are they are so so inexpensive is an insurance policy basically to segregate out your wallet from the other things you do in your life and never ever on a financial Chromebook ever surf, read email, anything like that. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I appreciate you spending part of your day with us here on The Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that if you need consumer advice, we're here to serve you off-air for free, nine hours a day. If you go to Clark.com and go down the home screen, you'll see a section, Consumer Help and Tools. Click on Consumer Action Center, 
and you can get that free off-the-air advice. 